Morning Teacher. I'm Noelle Pickering. On the Good Morning Teacher podcast, we bring practical solutions to busy teachers because you can love your job and leave your work at school. Join us each week to talk through tools and strategies that help you maximize your time and effort both in the classroom and at home. I'm excited to cheer you on as you face the week ahead. teachers, you're listening to episode number 36. On the last podcast, we talked all about the pros and cons of assigning math homework, and I shared tips on how to overcome some of the challenges that come along with homework. Be sure to listen in by going to maneuveringthemiddle.com slash episode 35. Today, we are going to chat about a topic that we frequently get asked questions specifically by new teachers or teachers new to teaching math, stations. What are they, why you should try them, and how to make them work for you in your classroom. If you've been listening for a while, then you know we are all about working smarter, not harder, so that we can be effective teachers who love their job, but can leave work at work. So let's do it. So before I ever try something new in my classroom or before we do anything new here at Maneuvering the Middle, I really like to ask myself the question, like, what is the why? Why am I going to make this change? And so you might be thinking, well, why should I use stations? And to be honest, there are a lot of different reasons. So I'll just briefly overview a few of them. First, as a teacher, we are able to better meet the needs of our various learners in a format like stations. Stations make it easier for us to work with a small group. It makes it easier for us to walk around the classroom and give feedback and understand what is going through our students' heads because they are doing the work and we are able to formatively assess, answer questions, and really see them and their thinking. Secondly, now that many more schools have devices for students, technology has opened up the options for some more personalized learning. And I know when I taught several years ago, we had maybe a cart on wheels that I could rent from the library, or I had a a few handful of computers that sometimes worked in my classroom, right? Well, as we've moved to one-on-one, we are able to utilize that. And so it makes more sense to do that in a station-like format. And then again, stations put the responsibility of doing the learning on the students. If the teacher is the only one teaching, the only one talking, and students are passive in the learning process, then how much are they really learning? Are we expecting them to retain too much? But when they're working in stations, we're able to see that um, because we are able to move around the classroom and really meet their needs or pull small groups to see their thinking process in that format. So just like anything else, you know your students and your situation better than anyone else. So never feel pressure to do something because someone told you it worked for them, right? You have your own unique group of students, a unique campus, and you are a unique person. And I think sometimes we forget this when we're looking to improve our teaching craft. But hopefully this episode will give you a little bit of confidence to try out stations if you haven't yet. And if you're already using stations, then potentially you'll gain a few ideas to make them run just a little bit smoother in your classroom. So let's talk about how to make stations work for you. 
So they can be a little bit overwhelming, especially if you haven't tried them. And so you may be thinking through these thoughts, right? Oh, I don't really have the bandwidth or the time to find a lot of different activities for one day. You may be thinking, well, my class periods are too short to run stations. You may be concerned about off-task behavior, right? And maybe you don't have a lot of space or your classes feel too big to run stations. And then lastly, you may just be like, I don't even know where to start, right? And so in that case, all of those thoughts may be running through your head. I want to remind you to start small and that you don't want to commit to an entirely new approach to teaching or um, totally throw everything that you've been doing out the window. So go ahead and continue listening, and we'll talk about some of those different things that might be going through your head right now. Okay, so let's jump into starting small and what that looks like. So first, start by pulling a small group while the rest of the class works on something else. And get used to this practice. Get comfortable using data, very informal data to start with, to lead some instruction in your small group for students who need a little bit of extra support. You could also do this for students who need a little bit of an extension because they're doing so well with the concepts, right? So we want to get comfortable and familiar with the idea that some students are going to be working on something and you're going to be working with a group of students. That will help set the routines and the procedures for your classroom. Then potentially introduce stations as a once a week activity. I like to choose Friday because that um, just seems like something fun to look forward to. And it's a little bit more organized. Um, Once you start doing stations in the middle of the week, you kind of have to think of your week as starting the day after stations and ending with the stations. But if you have um, one of those unique schedules where you have a block during the week at some point, that would be an ideal day to do stations. And so we'll talk about that here in a second. But during that day, really get in the practice of trying to do it once a week. Um, Students are going to practice what they've been learning in this station format. You can pull a small group of students or you could maybe pull more than one small group of students and then you can walk around the class and facilitate and answer questions and really look at and hear and listen to your students' conversations. Now, another concept might have to do with your space and actually all the movement that will happen. Remember, if you're just getting started, one small step is to actually not have the students move. So if that could be a challenge for you, consider like a tub or something that rotates rather than the students. So that's another option. And then for that same struggle, consider reformatting your space. So maybe your students all have desks and there's only so many ways you can configure those desks in your classroom. That's okay. You just want to teach students how to group into smaller station-like groups and that can be their station. It doesn't have to be something set up further away from the desk. And then lastly, Maybe you have 30 students and you really only have three activities. Well, if you think that out, 10 students at a station is going to be way too many. In fact, I prefer three and four as a maximum, but that's okay. You can just repeat or double your station. So now you can have six stations with five students at each station, right? Still 30, but we're just gonna have three unique stations. So maybe there's a red station, a green station, and a blue station, right? But we're gonna have two sets of those. So they're still only rotating three times, but now you have six groups, and so that makes your um, size more manageable. Now, 
as you get more comfortable and you are implementing stations on the regular and you want to kind of step it up or level it up a little bit, then there's a few suggestions I have for you. First, I know some teachers really love the framework of or an acronym of the word math. So it gives you a great setup for four unique stations. So M, meet the teacher. A, at your desk or some sort of assignment. T, technology, and then H, hands-on. And so that is an option as a way to think about and plan for your stations. Meet the teacher working with you at your desk or an assignment would be something they're doing individually. Technology is something obviously on a computer or an iPad. And then hands-on could be something exploratory or it could be something with manipulatives. So that's one way to kind of just help organize your stations and think through that once you're comfortable. Then you may, another option is you may be comfortable or considered the idea of a choice board or a playlist. And this works really well in a station-like setting. In fact, one of our Maneuvering the Middle teachers reached out this morning and she shared her playlist using our all-access videos and Maneuvering the Middle materials. And it was awesome. It was so phenomenal to see her utilize all of the resources and the videos in all-access to allow her to provide small group instruction and support. And so that is something you could go, I consider that more of an advanced um, version of stations. You also may hear about like personalized learning or the grid method, all of those things um, can kind of fall under the station category, but I would consider those more of an advanced, something that you really wanna be comfortable with stations and you want your students to feel comfortable and understand their role in the classroom when you are in stations. Okay, so we've talked about why we should use stations. We've talked about how to start small, small and ramp up. And then lastly, I just have a bunch of tips or what I would consider a best practice when utilizing stations. So first of all, number one, visuals and timers are your friend. So you need a big, loud timer that students can see and everyone can hear to keep on track. That will not only help your students, but it actually helps you. Think about how often we lose track of time in the classroom. Well, now if everyone is working in their own pace, then that's very easy to happen. That happens very easily. So a big, huge timer um, is going to be essential. Now, if you have students move, my second tip is to actually practice movement. Where do you want them to go? How do you want them to move? What do you want them to take with you, with them? And then again, use that timer to give them a time limit to move. I know middle school students and they can move as slow as molasses if not given um, a time limit. So really think that through and set those high expectations. Number three is about your grouping. Okay, so if students are working in stations, they're working in groups with other students. Now, if you were first starting out, I would start very simple. You can make your groups homogeneous. You can make them heterogeneous. You can use your data to inform your groups, but don't feel the need to change your groups all of the time. Now, as you get more comfortable, then that may work for you. But again, starting small and being simple in our planning Create groups based on some sort of data that you have and then use those groups for a little while before you switch them up. Number four, change it up. So provide variety, but keep the routine. So for example, if there is always a technology station or they're always on their device, then potentially instead of always sending them to IXL or Khan Academy or any of those websites, right? 
Maybe they're going to play a Kahoot or do a quizzes or do a digital math activity. Really think about the station being the same, but what's happening at the station being different and providing variety there. Next up, have a plan for students who need help or want to check their answers. And so I know that can be really something that we kind of agonize over of, well, if I'm working with this group of students, then I'm going to be interrupted because other students will have questions. And you're right, they will. So really think that through. Do you want that as a role in your station? Do you want to provide the answer key somewhere? I like to to tape it to the board so I could see students walk over and look at it. Um, So I kind of had an idea that they were working and then they were going to look at it. And that gives them that self-checking idea or that self-checking concept that they're on the right track. Most students want to know that they are on the right track, that they're um, understanding the material. And so by providing a key or making that a role of like checking answers in your group, you are going to limit the questions that um, you get while working with a small group. Then this is the easiest mistake to make, and I can't tell you how many times I have done this. Think about the amount of time that each activity will take to complete. So this is where you can get into trouble. If one activity takes maybe six minutes and another activity takes maybe 15 minutes, then you're going to have trouble getting um, the stations rotating correctly. So you can think of it two ways. You, My preference would be to give more than is necessary in that station so that when time goes up, they just finish that problem and move on. Whether they've completed all the problems or not, that is okay, right? Or really think about the longest activity and either trimming that down or making sure that the other stations have enough material to um, to be equal in the amount of time as that lengthier activity. And then lastly, if you are an All Access subscriber and you use our Maneuvering the Middle resources, then I just thought it would be helpful to kind of share which resources lend themselves to stations. So I love the card sorts or the card matches. I think those are a great station activity. And my favorite part about that is if you run them in stations, you don't need enough for all of your students. You can get by with two or three card sorts, which is less cutting for you. Um, If you do a find it or fix it, a he said, she said, those are great because each card can be its own station. So that works well. And then if you have, um, if you're wanting something that's practice at their seat, a solving color or a maze or any of those cut and paste activities would be a great at your seat. Or if you're using the hands-on materials or you're using that hands-on acronym, you could put the cut and paste in some of those exploratory activities there. So I, um, I love stations. I think they are a very powerful tool and hopefully you are able to grab some ideas um, on how to improve your stations or give them a try if you haven't yet. So as a quick recap, stations and small groups go hand in hand and are a critical part of formatively assessing our students. They can be accomplished kind of in a ramp it up mode where you start small and then they get more complex and more developed over time. But they are worth it as a way to increase student engagement and individualized learning and feedback. We are several months into our Good Morning Teacher podcast and it has been a joy to record these for you. I am hoping they are making your commute to work a little more enjoyable and that you're able to take some of these ideas and make them work for you in your classroom. If you've been loving the podcast, then we would love a five-star review. It helps us to be found by other teachers. 
For all the links, resources, and freebies mentioned today in one easy place, check out maneuveringthemiddle.com slash episode 36. I'm Noelle Pickering, and you've been listening to the Good Morning Teacher Podcast. Until next time, friends, make it a great week.